Fun one coming for you today. I hopped on with Kevin and Ulysses from Locked On Rays. First appearance on the show to talk about Tampa Bay's draft last week, the surprising pick of Xavier Isaac, and some of the trends that we're noticing in the MLB draft going forward. Y'all check it out. You are Locked On MLB Prospects, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome into another edition of the Locked on Rays podcast and Ulysses. Today, we have the pleasure of being joined by Lindsey Crosby, host of the Locked on MLB Prospects podcast. Lindsey, thank you for joining us. Longtime listener, first time caller. Uh, the Rays are, <laughs> are one of my favorite uh, teams outside of my own. I'm a Braves fan by trade, and so... Um, Big place in my heart for the Rays and enjoy watching their minor league affiliate in Montgomery as well as what the big league team does and always have a couple Rays on my fantasy team. Oh, of course, of course. Well, I, I want to get started before we dive into the 2022 draft. I want to get to know you a little bit and, and let our listeners and, uh, and our subscribers on YouTube who are awesome and trying to get us there, um, the subscriber count up. I want them to get to know how somebody loves baseball so much that they get into prospects this deep and heavy, knowing that the vast majority of these guys, nobody will know whatever happened to their career. So what drives you to really go deep into prospects, uh, knowing full well that it's just a handful that are going to have really long, stable major league careers? Yeah, so there's a couple of things I think that that really were attractive about folks and in on, on prospects. And one is just meeting these players, you know, and y'all have had lots of guys on Curtis Mead. You was a great interview and, you know, and, and stuff like that. But part of it is just getting to know them before they're superstars and just seeing how dedicated they are to the game. I grew up around the game of baseball. I've, I've, I've always played, I've always watched, I've always been interested in it. And then getting to know a lot of players, whether it was at the high school level, at the college level, I live in a college town, in the SEC college town in Auburn. And so I see a lot of these guys come through and just seeing the passion that they have and, and getting to know them as people has been the, a, a big reason for it. But then I also just like the positivity, right? The most likely outcome for any prospect that we talk about is that they're not going to work out. Like that, that, that is... More likely than not, any specific prospect you look at is not going to take a single um, at-bat in the big leagues. But I can put that aside and say, like, we know that. We're aware that these guys might not work out. But if they do, here are the most likely scenarios. And so it lets me kind of keep some positivity. You know, it's, it's I can say, yeah, they're, most, they're probably likely to bust, but we're going to ignore that. And we're going to say, if they work out, Here's the low end. Here's the high end. Here's what's most likely. And so it's just a very positive way to look at baseball. These guys do it. They play minor league baseball, not for the money. It's definitely not for the money. It's because they love the game. And, and so getting to know them, getting to talk to them has kind of fostered that same kind of love for me. I never thought I would, you know, have glimpses of waiting for Godot or um, any other existentialist writing uh, in talking about baseball than what you just said about prospects. But I, I completely see that side of it and I subscribe to it. Yeah, thank you. All right, let's uh, get into brass tacks here. 
Lindsay, how much sleep, if any, have you gotten over the past couple of days uh, spanning this three-day MLB draft? The uh, the draft is the time of – this is the week where I, I've barely slept. I finally just took the smartwatch off. I'm like, don't even tell me how little sleep <laughs> I got. I'm averaging right now somewhere between four and a half and five hours a night. I'm doing about two or three podcasts every night. I wake up about 5.30 in the morning to get the kids ready for school and all of that. So – uh, I will sleep on the weekend and I'll sleep when the season's over. But from two weeks before the draft to the trade deadline, this is my Super Bowl. This is my stretch run. This is where everybody wants to talk about the thing that I do uh, every single day. And so anytime I can give the people what they want and I can educate some folks about, hey, this guy you just got, he's really good. I know you're sad about losing this player, but let me tell you how cool this guy is. Anytime I can do that, it's always a great day just to educate folks and and tell some of these stories behind some of these players who haven't quite made it yet and, and are doing this because they love the game, not for the money. For someone who's not as deep into prospects as you are, I, I, when I look at this 2022 draft done by the Rays, I am surprised, but not let down. And, and by that, I mean, the Rays have always missed a power hitter in the lineup. The Rays have been since 08 pitching and defense, pitching and defense. There have been, you know, the Longorias, the Peñas, the Francos, the Laos, but that truly power threat of like, my goodness, we have to go around this guy has never really been uh, a reality for, for the Rays. And so I am happy that they swung for the fences here, literally with Xavier Isaac uh, as their first uh, pick in this year's draft. But it seems like he wasn't on anybody's radar whatsoever, and he wasn't in your radar either for this type of high pick. Is that correct? Yeah, I had him outside the top 100. I didn't necessarily have him in the first round. And I think that's something, it's kind of like what you talk about. Uh, they, they've never really had that 80-grade, uh, just absolute masher who you have to be terrified of. You tried last year with the Nelson Cruz trade and it wasn't necessarily as productive as you wanted uh but Xavier Isaac's a guy I think that getting him now is the right time and I think kind of from some of the stuff that I've heard it was something where if you didn't take him early and he'll, he'd get that slot you may not have gotten him he would have went ahead and gone to Florida so it was something where you had to pull the trigger early but I think it was the right time to do it uh, simply because you want to catch him before he's developed any more bad habits. He's 6'4", 240. So he's a, he's a healthy size already. Um, let's go ahead and catch him before he gets to college, get him in the professional nutrition and, and development program, uh, and then kind of work on some of, the, some of the, the, the swing and miss that we don't like before he establishes himself as a top 10, top 15 pick. There were whispers that, uh, getting him on campus at Florida, letting them do some of the work they've done. You saw Judd Fabian. They, I mean, uh, they had two outfielders on day one. Uh, getting him on campus, letting him hit there uh, would raise his profile a bit. I think you were there other options. There were other options. You could have gotten similar production maybe a little bit later with a guy like an Ivan Melendez. Sonny DeShare at Auburn's a guy I've met personally. I've, I've scouted him multiple times. I think he would have kind of done some of that similar work. But Xavier Isaac fits the window a little better. He extends the competitive window because he's only 18. It's going to take him, you know, four years to get to the bigs under most situations. And so it gives you time to, to extend the, the competitive window, let some of the prospect 
glut that you have right now lets you guys figure out what's going to happen because you've got more prospects than you have places on the field right now, which is a good <laughs> thing to have. But it also means that the upper levels are kind of condensed a bit. And so you don't mind bringing in somebody who's going to have to start off in, in A ball versus high A or double A because you have available roster spots lower in the minors. When you but but you did say pull uh, pull to pull. So does this mean this guy's not only a pull hitter, raw power? I'm gonna just launch home runs. He's actually a hitter that's just hitting the ball so hard that most of the time it's just going to go out out of the ballpark. Yeah, he has some swing and miss in his game, uh, and, you know, and that's kind of the reason we expected him to make it on campus at Florida. Whenever you see a prep. And they have a very, very loud carrying tool, which in this case, obviously the power is the carrying tool. But there's some questions about the, the related tool, in his case, the, 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 the hit tool. Um, we expected him to make it to campus. But yeah, yeah, he, he, he hits it all over the park. When he gets a hold of it, it very much is gone. He's not necessarily a three true outcomes kind of guy. It's not strikeout, home run, or walk. Um, but... He does put the ball in play quite a bit. It's just something where he hasn't necessarily done it against the competition. You need to see him do it against to know for a fact he was going to be a first-round pick. He, uh, he had a, a foot injury in 2021, so he missed the whole showcase circuit last year. He missed the summer showcases where you get to see him against other top you know, draft-eligible preps to know that he could do it against quality competition. You saw him do it against lesser um, but you saw enough struggle against the lesser where we didn't necessarily know. That's why we thought he'd make it on campus. It probably worked out well. For all we know, he would have been fine against the quality competition. We just didn't see a lot of it. So it's kind of like the Brandon Lau situation, Kevin. Remember? Before the draft, Brandon Lau, I think he fractured his tibia, wasn't it? Right. And then yeah. he's, he still ends up being drafted by the Rays. The Rays don't care of that. Xavier missed a whole year. They still drafted him. They still like the, the, the raw power. Yeah, and, and something that the Rays have been really good about, and I've, I've, I've always admired what they do in the draft, is the Rays know the physical traits they're looking for. They know the, the performance metrics they're looking for as far as exit velocity, as far as you know, how much they expand the zone. They collect a lot of data, and they're able to use that, put it into their models, and project out what players are going to be. And the model obviously told them, Xavier Isaac is somebody you need to go ahead and get now versus targeting him in three years as he's a draft-eligible junior at Florida. So I can say if they were willing to go out in the first round and get him when we had him around 100, 110 or so on the board, I'm probably going to defer to them, and they were probably correct, and we were probably wrong, just simply because the Rays have done this now so many times. They've shown they can build a quality farm system. I think last year, uh, the race farm system was, I want to say, had the best winning percentage in all of baseball. Right. Like, yeah, was like six ninety seven. I think everybody but the biscuits won their championships, and the biscuits played for it. So, yeah, Tampa Bay has shown they can go out identify um, quality pitchers, they can identify good defenders, and they can identify the traits you need to be successful offensively. Today's episode is brought to you by our friends at Sports Card Investor. Whether you're a casual card collector or Looking for an exciting alternative investment opportunity? The free Sports Card Investor app has something for you. Uh, as players like Adley Rutschman, Jeremy Pena, and guys like that make the jump to the big leagues, you can use the free Sports Card Investor app to check the prices and buy their first baseball cards. Or 
if you've been watching baseball for your entire life and you want to kind of embrace the nostalgia, with the free sports card investor app, you can pull out those old cards of your favorite childhood players and see how much they're worth today. If you're interested in riding the wave and getting involved with sports cards, there's never been a better time to start collecting cards of your favorite players, your Mike Trouts, your Aaron Judges, your Shohei Otanis. With the free sports card investor app, you can see the latest values and find great deals to build out a one-of-a-kind collection. So download the sports card investor app today. It's available for free in the Google Play or Apple App Stores, or go to sportscardinvestor.com backslash locked on. Yeah, with Xavier Isaac continuing on him for a second, you mentioned some swing and miss to his game. Is there anything else about him or his profile that uh, you think could hold him back as he uh, tries to to venture into a, a long tenured pro career? Yeah, so I mean... The physical build's a little concerning. 6'4", 240. Uh, it's, it's, a, it's a little bit bigger than we typically see from a first baseman. And when you watch him on defense, you can see that he's a good, he's a decent defender for a prep, but he's not an outstanding defender at first. And so that makes you wonder, as he moves up in the system, is he going to be kind of relegated to a DH-only role? Mm-hmm. And I think about maybe a better comp would have been something like a David Ortiz, where you actually had to have the question of, when we go to a National League park, do we bother giving him a glove or not? Uh, small concern I have, not as much. Partly, I haven't seen a ton of film of his defense. Nobody's going to watch him for his defense. Right. Uh, but then also just, just the way that the Rays construct the roster, there's always so many fantastic defenders where all things being equal, I feel like you're going to find somebody else to play first and he may be at D8. So that's a little concerning. Uh, and it is a little bit out of the historic profile for the Rays to take a guy that has defensive questions because so many of these players have fantastic defense because that's been the, the, like the, the, the North star for this organization has been defense and pitching and defense and pitching. So little concerned about the body and what that does with the speed and then the defense. He definitely is going to have to be carried by the, by the power and the hit tool is going to have to be good enough to let him make use of that power. We, we've stockpiled enough of these middle infield switch hit types that we have to kind of maybe reach a little bit for some power, some pop. Yeah, and it's going to take a while. And from what Lindsay's telling us and from what we've seen from high school picks, that math adds up to him maybe playing in, at the trop if he doesn't get traded, if he's not injured, in the last year of the lease in 2027. So, or 2026, like it's, it's going to take a while. So race fans need to, you know, be a little bit more, you know, patient. Like we always have to be with prospects, especially those coming out of high school. But I, I look at this, you know, holistically with this draft with the race and they did go a little bit in the surprising uh, way by, by getting Xavier Isaac. But you also look at the rest of the draft and seven of, uh, of out of the first seven picks, six were not pitchers. Um, which again, if we, like you, you just pointedly said the North star has been pitching in defense. Uh, where's the pitching? It, it was only one pick out of the first seven. Can you tell us if they went with the best available and that's why though the players that were picked were not pitchers or is it because like Kevin said, maybe we've stockpiled enough middle infield athletic types that look all of these guys, Brock Jones, Chandler Simpson, Ryan Cermak, um, Dominic Keegan, they just have 
things like hitting tools uh, that you cannot pass up if, if you're the race. So talking to some of the player development folks, I've, I've noticed that the organization tends to lean towards this philosophy. And this has been kind of a newer thing, but lean to the philosophy of pitchers can be made, but hitters are born. And so they're going out and they're finding, they're identifying the guys in the draft that have the defensive traits that they want for the most part, Xavier Isaac excluded, but a Dominic Keegan, a Jalen Battles, uh, a Chandler Simpson have some of the defensive traits they want and feel confident about their game. Chandler Simpson has no power to speak of. Um, but a lot of these guys, Dominic Keegan played fantastic in the SEC team captain, Jalen Battles. Uh, fantastic shortstop for Arkansas, team captain, another thing that they kind of prioritize. So what the Rays are doing is kind of leaning into the strength, which is we can take a pitcher who has some tools but is raw and has flaws, and we can make him better. But we need to identify the catchers that have the traits that we need to be successful because it's harder to make a hitter than it is to make a pitcher. And so I feel like that's kind of what this draft reflected is early. Here are the position players we identified. We need to make sure that we go out and get because we know the profiles that we're looking for. We can find toolsy pitchers later. We can have a bigger bucket of pitchers and pull guys out of that. We can pull you know, a prep like, like Levi Husband out of Hanover High School in Virginia and take his tools and develop him. We can even take a, you know, a Sean Harney from Kentucky and we can, you know, develop him out of the eighth round but some of these hitters we need to jump on these guys early make sure that we get them because it's harder to build a hitter out of tools than it is to build a pitcher out of tools kevin do you think that this is a little bit also cockiness by the race like we know we we know how to build pitchers we got this it's we don't care if we all of our pitchers are after the third round fourth round fifth round whatever we know how to do that yeah. we just need bats we can turn Jason Adam into a borderline all-star, basically. Exactly. We took a player to be named later, and it's Shane Boz. Like, yeah. we can <laughs> yeah. do this. All we did was get him and completely changed his entire pitch mix. And it exactly. worked. Like, <laughs> yeah. there's a little bit of, I, I'm not necessarily going to say it's a little bit of cockiness, but there's, a, like, there's definitely confidence in the player development staff. Like, they know what they're doing. They understand uh, the kinetics of baseball and how it works. And then they have the teachers where they can teach some of these guys. Here's how to maximize the tools you have. Here's how to change what you do to be more effective with your body traits. You know, you have really good extension. Let's talk to you about switching that slider to a curveball because you mm -hmm. can release it closer to the plate and you can get it deeper on a batter, you know, things like that. So I think there is a little bit of confidence in the player development. Um, but yeah, no, it's, it's, it's definitely a, yeah, we know we can make a pitcher. We yeah. brought Shane Boz up for the stretch run last year. You know, we could do this. And, and running through this draft with the Rays, is there, you mentioned several names, but did you have a favorite pick of theirs, whether it was in the fifth round, the 10th round, the 15th round, where you're like, man, the Rays, I, that, was a, that was a solid choice there. So as somebody, like I mentioned earlier, I live in a college town. I live in Auburn. I actually uh, also cover Auburn baseball for Sports Illustrated. Uh, I was very happy that you guys drafted Jalen Battles out of Arkansas. One, just to get him out of the SEC. Because <laughs> he has terrorized this conference for three or four years now. Uh, but no, I was, I was very excited to see that. He, his, the power's not great from Jalen Battles. But defensively, fantastic defender. Who just hoovers up anything on the left-hand side. And then 
Um, as long as you can work on some of his plate discipline, he he tends to to chase a slider and a changeup, especially if they're some, if they're moving away from him. Uh, but if you can clean some of that up, you've got a a really good middle infielder for very cheap. He's a senior sign. He's he's going to go for significantly under slot. Uh, very good pick there. I like the Dominic Keegan pick, even though he's not a great defender behind the plate because of how much his team respects him, how much of a team leader he is, and how versatile he is. You can play him at first base. Uh, there's a little bit of you can play him maybe at third base or a corner outfield. Um, but just being a reliable veteran presence um, on that Vanderbilt team. I mean, Vanderbilt's a hard team to come in and, and, and be the leader of, and Dominic Keegan did that. So two picks I really liked, fourth and fifth. Uh, and then Cameron James, the third baseman out of Mississippi State, 16th rounder. Really, really kind of liked that. Uh, 12 home runs, 20 stolen bases in 2021. Uh, kind of repeated that again in 2022. Flash uh, had double-digit home runs and stolen bases. Hit 303 in the SEC. Not an easy thing to do. Mm-hmm. Uh, played third base. He also played some left field and some center field. So a lot of versatility there. Uh you know, struggled a little bit in the Cape in 21. I think that's why he fell so much. But it's got decent power, um, has some good some some good speed, some good defensive versatility. You just need to teach him to, to deal with extreme velocity. Struggles with velo over 94, 95. But that's something that you can kind of work on with time. That's something where he just didn't always get to see that on a reliable basis. Um, so... Late, late round guy. Odds are, like we talked about earlier, odds are he's probably not going to work out. He's a 16th rounder. But if you can make a couple tweaks to what he does, help him catch up to some velo, I think that he might be a sneaky, um, you know, pull power kind of utility guy who can play infield and outfield for you. Yeah, and I mean, uh, well, we've got some more draft questions for sure, but uh, the Alica Williams statement just kind of made me want to think about the Rays' current farm system and in current crop of prospects and Lindsay, I mean, you, you do host the locked on MLB prospects podcast. So who better to ask than you, but uh, within the system right now, who is your favorite raised prospect? Is it Taj Bradley? Is it Curtis Mead? Is it Carson Williams? Is it Greg Jones? Is it Xavier Edwards? Is it Cole Wilcox? Like who, who is that guy that man, I'm, I'm going to bat for this dude. I keep going back and forth. So I keep waffling between Curtis Mead and Taj Bradley. And part of it is Curtis Mead was so great when he was on your show. I really enjoyed, <laughs> I, I really enjoyed listening to him. I can listen to Australians talk all day. It's fun yeah. to listen to. But I've been just, just really impressed with some of the changes that he made. I actually got a chance to see him in Montgomery. I was there at the last game before he was promoted to Durham this year. Uh, made it there. Saw him for the last time. So uh, just I keep going back and forth. and with. With Mead, it's it's something where I think I had underrated his defense. And I was there with some members of the Biscuits, uh, not not players, but some staff members. And and one of them has heard me talk about Curtis Mead on the show before. And I talked about his defense being a little bit below average and kind mm-hmm. of outside of the model. And every time he made a fantastic pick at third, he made one of those barehanded scoop and grabs. I just turns to me and he's like, he's got bad defense, right? Is that what you said? <laughs> so, so I think that if Curtis Mead's defense is better than I thought it was, then I think he's probably the number one prospect. But Taj Bradley, I think, has the higher ceiling. Taj Bradley, to me, is, um, I mean, 
Fastball slider, both those pitches are plus pitches. The changeup is above average. The curveball's close. I think the curveball can get there as well. And just a guy, you've, he's, he's had some time, 2018, what, fifth rounder, I think. So he's had a couple years. But, I mean, he's, he's this close. I could see him, depending on how things go at the end of the year, I could see it as something where maybe he's up, kind of like a Shane Boz was, where towards the very end of the year, you bring him up. I mean, he's got a 170 ERA in 16 games in Double A. He's over the 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 innings pitched mark where it's not a sample size issue. This is who he right. is. He's probably deserving pretty soon of a promotion to Durham, mm-hmm. uh, and it's something where when you're a contending team, it's very hard to call up a prospect and let them learn at the big league level. But I think that there's a space here soon to t- send Taj Bradley to Triple A and then give him an end of season call up let him get a couple games kind of like you did for Shane Boz last year uh, and, and see what he does with it. Um, I, you know, so Curtis Mead right now, I like him a little bit more. I think Bradley's got the higher ceiling and the dude that, I mean, he may be a number one, number two, if everything works out correctly. You know, Kevin, I think we do have to give the bump uh, on this podcast to Curtis Mead, a friend of the podcast. Yeah, He'll the pod. be the number one, and then Tash Bradley can can take number two, of course. Yeah, until uh, we've interviewed Tash Bradley, it's got to stay with Curtis Mead, and Curtis Mead said he'd like to come on the show again, too. So. That's right. Taj, yeah. the, uh, the ball is in your court, man. It's yeah, right the here. Lock, the Locked on Rays podcast bump. Um, so it's nice to talk about guys who, you know, so much potential and what could be, and Maybe this is a guy that eventually figures it out at the big league level. Um, Ulysses, I think you probably know where I'm going here, but but El Brujan, he struggled in his time with the Rays this season and last season. I mean, I don't have to go through all the numbers, but you know, in 45 games or so this season before he was sent down, 167 batting average, 230 on base, 246 slug, 477 OP, uh, OPS, uh, caught stealing more more cut stealings than stolen bases. Like it just was not a good showing for him. Um, do you, where do you stand on Vidal Brujan? Do you think it just wasn't enough of a sample size or that he, the the hype was maybe too much over the last couple of years regarding this guy? So I think maybe one is being the next prospect to debut after Wander Franco, maybe Mm -hmm. sets a little bit of unrealistic expectations in the fan base's mind for what he's going to be. Uh, he, genuinely talented. He genuinely is the fastest player in this system, the best base runner in this system. But I think that the issue here is one, he's never had a chance to get into a routine. He, you know, he he's playing multiple positions. He's not getting consistent playing time. And then also I think it's just the, the power is not really there. And mm-hmm. that's something where obviously they also wanted him to, to develop some of that power like some of these other guys have, and it never really came in. And so look at a guy like a Billy Hamilton. I'm not saying Vidal Bruhan's going to be a Billy Hamilton, but that's another situation where I think of where somebody has just very little power, um, you know, fantastic speed, fa- you know, good at everything else, just doesn't have any power to speak of, and the limitations it can put into your game. Um, and so, I mean, I think... Ruhan's average exit below is 87 miles an hour, something around there. Mm-hmm. So incredibly versatile, very useful, a guy that you can put on your bench. Uh, you can defensive replacement. You can put him in to run in extra innings. If your catcher was the last out in the ninth and he's going to be your runner in the 10th, put Bruhan in there. I think I saw Bruhan 
uh, I want to say it was a double A in 19. I want to say he scored from second on a sack fly. I mean, <laughs> tons of speed. It's just him getting him getting into the groove of baseball. Uh, I really think consistent playing time every day is probably what he needs. As much as I want to see him at the big league level, when you're contending, like I said earlier, you can't let him learn on the job. But El Bruhan's a guy, I put him in double A. I put him at one position. I let him play every day. I let him get into a groove. And then if I have some sort of injury at the big league level where I know, hey, now I can play him every day in center. I can play him every day at second, something like that. Then I bring him up and I let him play every day. He feels like that kind of player that just needs the routine, needs the consistency to really get into a groove. You know, Lindsay, we we play a, a game on Fridays usually uh, called Name That War. And it's where we take a player from the past and we ask each other, hey, can you guess X players, you know, war according to baseball reference? Okay. You mentioned Billy Hamilton. And so I went on on baseball reference and I see that he spent 10 years already in, in, in major leagues and he has a career or B war of 10.2. I was gonna you, guess. Oh, sorry, my bad. <laughs> I'm gonna guess 10.1. There you All go. Right. Very close. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so, but my point with this is that's a that's a career that most of the prospects that you dive deep into would love to have. Would love to have. So, if this is if he ends up being a Billy Hamilton type. I don't think that's a that's I don't think that's a, a a bad thing, is it? Or is it because the expectations were so high that that would be a bad result? It would be perceived as a disappointment by a lot of fans, and I think part of that is, like you said, the expectations were so high. And again, he was kind of in an unfortunate situation because you see Wander Franco come up and do so well right away, mm -hmm. get the long contract. I don't I don't think he ever batted below third in that first season. He was up right. And so Bruhan coming up right after that set some expectations, but you're absolutely right. Billy Hamilton's been a big leaguer for 10 years. I believe Billy Hamilton has a World Series ring. Like he's, I mean, he's played in the postseason. He's been a part of winning teams. And that is, like you said, that is more of a career than most big leaguers have. So if Vidal mm -hmm. Bruhan ends up at only Billy Hamilton, it's a success compared to most prospects who never even get a single play in the big leagues. Lindsay? I cannot thank you enough for coming on and not only having a good time with us, and but making us smarter, making us just think differently uh, about prospects for everybody that is subscribed to the channel and is listening to this on their favorite podcast platforms. I know that they really enjoyed you. So can you tell them where they can find your stuff on Twitter, Instagram, on your uh, podcast, everything? Absolutely. I'm on Twitter at Crosby Baseball. My show, Locked in MLB Prospects, is available wherever you get your podcasts and on YouTube. You can find uh, the show on Twitter at Locked on Farm. And something I want to plug real quick is every single Monday, we do mailbags. I take nothing but listener questions about players, uh, the, the lawsuit that they just recently had and settled about minor league compensation, all that kind of stuff. So if you have questions for the show, again, I'm on Twitter at Crosby Baseball. The show is on Twitter at Locked on Farm. Or you can email us, LockedOnMLBProspects at gmail.com. Mm -hmm.